tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Social Conversations. Let's welcome uh, Professor Aleda Herbst, who's a registered social worker and is currently the director of the School of Psychosocial Health at the University of the Northwest. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Professor Herbst. Good evening, uh, Patricia and listeners. Thanks, thank you for having me tonight. So you penned down an article that was very critical, something that is an eye-opener for us. We are not just numbers and figures, but this is attached to, to lives. These numbers that we hear daily on news articles are attached to life. Take us through some of the key pointers on your article, Professor. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think the bottom line of my article is um, the fact that we should acknowledge the fact that the statistics um, give us a picture of what's happening around the world with COVID-19. But behind those, we have real people. So being a COVID-infected person or uh, a statistic saying you're one of the mortalities of this disease is, is not the truth. Because those people really struggle to absorb the fact that they've lost somebody due to COVID. And I'm worried that we're not really recognizing um, the fact that so many people lost their lives and so many families are afflicted by those losses. Are we becoming numb as a society um, because of COVID-19 and the, the constant awareness of the infection numbers and also the death numbers? Yeah, well, I think um, if I take myself as an example, in March 2020, I checked this statistics daily. Right now, it feels like I'm disconnected from it. Um, it's it's like it's somewhere out there, as if we are desensitized by the fact that we have these numbers and figures daily, literally daily on social media, on news networks. We hear so many people infected in England, so many in South Africa, so many in the Northwest Province, the Cape, uh, Western Cape, as if it doesn't impact us anymore. Look, um, Professor, you say that, uh, you know, previously you used to listen and look at the numbers constantly and then you end up just, you know, not looking at them. So is it better to to not be involved in the numbers or should we be involved in the numbers? I think we we should continue to be involved in the numbers, but to not see those as a quantity alone, but to remember that behind those quantities, there are people's lives being infected and affected on a daily basis. I'm worried about the fact that um, we don't see the the seriousness, the essence of those numbers. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying we should neglect the numbers, but that we should be aware of the fact that people's lives are really affected by those. And what is causing us not to be sensitive um, and, and linking these numbers to lives, lives lost, lives in critical health conditions? Well, I think it's, it's generally um, adapting to a, a new normal. 
um, the fact that we are bombarded with those figures daily, but we need to continue with our lives as normal as possible. So in some way, um, there's a disconnect. We are tired of hearing those numbers. Um, we would like to just have things back to where it was a year or three ago. So in that way, uh, people just disconnect. And it's, it's also difficult to acknowledge the losses, the grief that we are going through. Um, we would like to just have normality. A-teamers, uh, please join in on this conversation. A very, um, you know, serious one, I must say, because it's true. A lot of us just hear the stats of where we are with COVID-19 daily and we, we just move on. We don't link the individuals, um, the lives that have mm. been lost, the families. We don't link, you know, even we don't even link those who are sick. We hear the hospitals are inundated and we don't fathom how far this goes and the impact it has. So I want mm. to hear from you as an A-teamer. Please call in. Um, what has your experience been? Are you able to feel the grief or, or share some empathy towards those numbers that you're hearing because it's not just numbers it's people and how has your experience been throughout this COVID-19 period please do call in and if you've got questions please do ask them we've got our guest Professor um, Aleda Herbst on 011-714-2006 you can also WhatsApp 0614-104-107 SMSs go to 41391 Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. We are in conversation with uh, Professor Herbst, who's a registered social worker and currently the director of uh, the School of Psychosocial Health at the University of the Northwest. We're talking loss and grief in this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, uh, you know, it's more than counting losses and moving on. It's more than just stats. It's human beings. It's people. It's loved ones. And we have we have moved away from that. And we want to know how can we come back to it? Uh, thank you for staying with us. Uh, Professor Herbst, I've got an A-team on the line who wants to join in on the conversation. Njabulo A-team, good evening. Good evening, A-team Njabulo. Uh, hi, Patricia, how are you? Excellent, thanks. I'm well, thank you. You know, I am, it's, it's my grandfather that I'm very close to, you know, we used to have a lot of conversations and um, now he has currently contracted this disease, COVID-19, you know. And um, all of a sudden, it has been, my, my whole life has come to a change because it's just, you know, you've, like you said, I've just heard about these numbers, and for me, there's just been numbers, but all of a sudden, when it came close to home, it became a complete different picture. And when the doctors called me and told me that there is an ICU, and I wouldn't be able to see him because of the disease, of the virus, yeah, it has become something completely difficult. And it actually made me to go on my knees and not just pray for my grandfather and to say that he is in, but for other families and people who have been going through this at the same time. Yeah. Oh, so I truly appreciate your show and what you do again. Um, 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 you know, Jabulo, my heart goes out to you and your entire family uh, for what you're currently experiencing. How is your grandfather doing? Um, you know, and how long has he been in hospital? It's been um, almost uh, two, two weeks now. Sure. 
Sure. And as they progress? My has been six. You know, and in actual fact, I'm an orphan, so he was the only <laughs> one that I still had that I was that I'm still keeping on to holding on to. You know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it is a difficult time for you. We do hope and pray that he does recover. And thank you. Thank you for starting to pray for not just your grandfather, but every single one out there in South Africa that uh, we see just as a number on the screen or here on the radio. Thank you for praying for South Africans and people all around the globe. And let your grandfather get a speedy recovery, we pray as well. Professor Herbst, Njabulo's account is one that I think... uh, is, is close to home for a lot of people until something is your experience we really don't understand how to deal with it and COVID-19 is one of those since it's been you know so so easily uh, reported um, and it's not reported with emotion it's not an emotive report it's just let's go by Let, th- this is what you need to know yeah that's true um, and I can really relate to what um the caller is, is referring to, I lost my mum in April to COVID-19. And um, that's very personal to share on, on, on air tonight. But what I realized at the time is that you're quite alone um, mm-hmm. if you are battling as a family um, the illness with a loved one. You're not always allowed to visit the person in hospital, for instance. So it, it took a while for me to get permission to see my mom. Um, and towards the end of her life, that was a very special opportunity that was granted to us to, to do see her when she was not so sick that um, we were at risk to visit. And I think that's the story of the world is, Many of our loved ones end up in hospital, but we're not allowed to visit. We're not allowed to to um, go through that process with them, oh. and that's one of the losses we're struggling with. Oh, Professor Herbst, thank you for sharing with us your experience and sincere condolences coming from me. It it, it mm. can't be an easy process, and I and now I do have a full understanding and depth of why you wrote this particular article because it hit home. You understood the pain and the pressure of 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 you know having someone with COVID nineteen and then someone passing with COVID nineteen. Something mm. that a lot of people are not sharing with us. We are just you know hearing mm-hmm. the, the the figures as we are currently saying. It's just the numbers and mm. it's just moving on. So thank you very much. Let's go to one of our other A team callers. Colin in Cape Town is on the line. A team Colin, good evening. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm strong. How are you? Mm. You know I just heard your last caller, his grandfather you know what I mean? Mm, uh, mm. Contracting it. Now, I would say 85% of that um, is brought into the home through a younger generation, which a percentage of them don't actually uh, take it serious and they bring it home to the family. You know what I mean? Sure. And especially the elderly. And um, I would like to just say one thing. It's nice to entertain and enjoy yourself. But beware of what you bring home. 
You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Patricia? Very true, very true, Colin. You know, this grandfather, I'm sure he wasn't in a disco or a nightclub or anywhere else. Mm. It was brought into his home. So therefore, I recommend that the younger people must consider the elderly. Very true. I think we all oh. have to be very responsible, Colin. Um, now, every single one, every single one, because that gets passed on from one to another. And if you are isolated at home and you don't go out and all of a sudden you pick it up, that means somebody in the house brought it from outside to you. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you very much, Colin. Have a good evening further. Uh, let me go to this message from Debojo Maga. Um, Debojo says, good evening, uh, Pat. This pandemic almost destroyed me because in 2021, July, it took my father. And last year, June, it uh, took my pregnant wife with our last born. <sighs> it's difficult to even read this. I had no power left in me, and that's why I left my kids in Joburg and relocated to Cape Town. Deboho, um, heartfelt condolences. Strength to you, brother. And sometimes I keep on saying I'm strong because I know there's strength that's above me. It's not because I'm physically or emotionally or mentally strong, but I remind myself that there's a strength that is above me. May you have that strength and peace that surpasses all understanding for you and your family. Professor Herbst, it's not just numbers. It's family members, loved ones. Listen to what Anjabulo said. His grandfather is sick, fighting for his life. Listen to what Deboho is saying. He lost his father and his pregnant wife with their last-born child. Painful. Painful. I can't agree more. And the fact that we suffer multiple losses makes um, this whole situation even more complicated mm. because before you can work through the loss of one loved one, do your proper grief and mourning for that one, another one passes. Um, so the multiple losses aspect is also something that I think we should acknowledge. Um, and during such losses, we, we often can't mourn and grieve like normally, so some of our um, processes at burials, funerals, um, had to change due to the COVID restrictions, um, making us more at risk for developing what we would call complicated grief or even disenfranchised grief, which is what we would call the world not acknowledging our loss. Um, and this is this is serious. It is absolutely serious. I mean, um, I can imagine how difficult it was for you and your family not being able to see your mother while she was in hospital until towards the end of her life. And obviously, Njabulo is probably going through the same thing that you, you, he yeah. can't go see his uh, grandfather. And as you are saying, uh, funeral rituals are not conducted the way they used to be. It's, it's either happens the funeral happens very quick and limited people can attend the funeral. It is a sad state of affair. So how do we deal with it? How does one who who has a family member who's currently COVID-19 positive and fighting for their lives or one who has lost a loved one um, grieve? 
how, how do they grieve? Because I know in psychology you say there are phases and stages of grief. So how do they do it in this fast-moving paced society where COVID-19 is just about numbers? Well, I think what we're doing right now is one of the first steps, is to open up the discourse, the discussion, um, acknowledging the fact that we are all suffering losses and not to try and hide the fact that we are struggling to deal with these losses and our grief processes. So for me, that's step number one. Um, next, I think, as a, as a country, as a community, we should take further steps to say we realize we're in a, in a state of grief, actually. As I've written in this article, at least nine people are affected by each death. So when we look at those statistics, we should remember to multiply by nine if we see a mortality um, figure. And that we as communities should reach out to each other. At Northeast University, we started already in um, 2020 to light up the main gates of our three campuses in purple for the month of December as a symbolic gesture to say we realize the losses we've suffered, but it's also a symbol of care and hope. And I wish and I dream that as a country we would consider lighting up Table Mountain or Union Buildings or the SIBC Tower for that matter for Easter week and to say we see these losses um, and I think in general employers could revisit their um, compassionate leave policies during this time. I'm listening to one of the um, listeners earlier who lost three people in a short period of time. You cannot just have seven days of compassionate leave during these times. Our employee wellness programs mm. can, can focus on loss and grief to open these conversations and not to stigmatize our loss, but to acknowledge and say, let's talk about this. Let's stand together to also work through our processes of grief and mourning in troubled times. And, uh, you know, just uh, thinking how important or critical it would be for us to have community-based support groups for um, COVID-19, um, um, you know, bereavement, uh, support for those who have loved ones in hospital. Because if we don't do that at a community level, our communities are going to crumble. When people can't grieve properly, they'll end up in, in, a, in a position where life is, yeah, is, is just very bleak, very bleak. And that will have a negative impact on society and even the workplace and productivity. Mm. So, Prof. Oh, well, yeah, go ahead. Mm, no, from my point of view, I think we will only see the, the real effects of all of this in the next three to five years. Um, because for now we can make predictions about disenfranchised grief or complicated grief, but it's similar to a war situation where we just get into the motion of coping. We need to survive um, the current level of lockdown or 
the current situation in, in our households. Um, so during coping, you just have to stay focused. And in the process, neglect our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings to such an extent that it will maybe hit us in a few years' time. A-teamers, we are about to wrap up our conversation with uh, Professor um, Herbst, who's uh, talking to us about how to deal with the COVID pandemic Uh, you know, numbers, the statistics that we see and uh, be able to understand and be compassionate and empathetic towards those people who make up those numbers, those people who have lost loved ones, those who have um, loved ones in hospital. I mean, uh, Professor Herbst is saying that multiply by nine for every one that is on that, uh, you know, lives lost due to COVID-19. So let's uh, wrap up and take up your calls and your voice notes. Um, then we'll go to Basil Manuel, who's executive director of Naptosa, talking about the rotational uh, class, uh, classroom timetable that is going to continue in schools. I've got uh, Tabo, who is our A-teamer on the line. Tabo, good evening. Tabo, please speak louder. Good evening, how are you, man? We, we are strong, Tabo. I'm from, I'm in Limbobo, man. Mm-hmm. And this thing has hit me the most because my sister, she was a bit, you know, she was, she was working in, in Kauteng. She was, you know, she was the one who was doing everything for me as, as she's my elder sister and two of the kids. And since she passed on, you know, every day when I, because of the COVID, so every day when I hear those numbers, it hit me the most because today, like from yesterday, when, when I see her kids going to school without a proper uniform, proper stationery, knowing that if her mother was only here, all, all this thing would not be happening. So every time when I hear those numbers and see those kids, you know, the suffering that, that they're going through. Sometimes I wish that I could, I don't want to listen to it when they say those numbers because I know that we suffer because of this COVID thing. Tab, I'm so sorry to hear what you're going through. I can hear the the pain in your voice. I can yeah, hear so, that you are not okay. Yeah. You know, every time when I see those, especially yesterday when they were going to school for the first day, when I see them, oh. only their mother was here to get oh. them stationary school, proper school clothes. Even though she was she was a domestic worker, but she did everything for these kids. Sure. Their father is doing nothing. You know, I've been trying to call him and say, keep him stationary, keep him at this, but he's not doing anything. And that that makes me you know, think about my sister. Why did COVID take care from us? Sure. Because it means now I have also to drop out from school because I have to drop out from university and try to find work so that we can survive. Because mm. she was the only person who was helping us after our grandmother passed on. Oh, Tabo. My heart goes out to you, Tabo. I, I, let me allow uh, Professor Herbs to just come in. Professor, uh, do you have any words of encouragement for Tabo? Oh, yeah, I'm also listening to Tabo and I can hear the pain and it's so upsetting. But what I first believe is that what we're doing right now for the media to, to allow this conversation where we can share our pain, our sorrow, our loss, but also inspire and motivate each other to give hope um, and to give a message that there will be healing and recovery. This is the first step. It's so important. So, Tabu, 
All I can say is please reach out to resources in your community, whether it's at your faith community or church um, or the clinic, your medical practitioner. Ask for services that can assist you talking about your loss and pain. Don't hesitate to talk to your friends and family about how you feel, just like you're doing right now. Um, it's so important. All right. Um, yeah, Tabo, um, please stay on the line. Um, I just need you to have a, a bit of a chat with uh, Benzito. Let me read an, a message here from uh, Miss N in Soweto who says, Good evening, Mantuli. Uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, for me, it has been a very humbling experience. It was said that we will never be the same again. The year 2020 in June, I lost my mother and I am one of those who are recovering from the virus. So I took a bold step and I, I don't follow the stats. As for most, it's just numbers. Never before in our lifetime have we experienced death like we did since 2020. So I'm strong. Continue to channel the inner strength. Please, please, Miss N, continue to channel the inner strength. My condolences to you. Um, another one says, hi, Patricia. Good subject. I got two shots of the vaccine. It is necessary to boost because uh, I got COVID today. I'm under isolation. Wow. Okay. Professor Herbst, it's, it's not an easy one, this that we are talking about, but I'm glad that we have opened up this sort of discussion at this time. Thank you very much for joining us. And what are your parting uh, shots? My parting shot is an, another personal reflection. Right now, my daughter also had two vaccinations. I'm very sick with COVID-19. She's working on a cruise line in America. Um, so, on a personal level, I'm experiencing what I'm talking about, but I want to give a message of hope and say that we can overcome this, um, that we as community should open the conversation, that we should reach out to each other, um, acknowledging our losses, um, and thank you to in we're starting to open this conversation and we should allow more time for this. I want to encourage our faith communities to really reach out to our people, our, our medical practitioners, and in the broader national context, international context, to, to literally raise um, awareness of the losses as well. We are raising awareness about wearing masks and social distancing and sanitizing our hands, but we're not doing much to say, please note, some people have lost loved ones. And then finally, I've started um, a Facebook page. It's still under construction. It will be called COVID-19 Wall of Remembrance. And I hope that this can offer a digital platform for us to literally um, celebrate the lives of those we've lost and acknowledge our pain um, and mourning. So please be on the lookout for a Facebook page that will become live in the next two weeks called the COVID-19 Wall of Remembrance. Excellent. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Professor Herbst, uh, for joining us this evening.
Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Patricia. Good evening, listeners, and good evening, Prof. Maria from Springbok. In my experience, it seems that um, COVID draw a line that was thin, thinner, because many times there's not even time to say goodbye. Um, and also it makes us very much aware of the last day, the last days that the Bible talk about. Thank you.